hello there. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with Indy Randawa. Hi, everybody. And Samantha Hees. That's me. That's you. That's me. How are you doing, Indy? Oh, I'm grumpy again. Why? Because, well, we're talking about Fruitvale Station. Yes. And we'll get to it soon. Um, I was organizing my notes and like writing down my little thoughts, and then I made the mistake of reading reviews of this movie. <gasps> Which you shouldn't. It's like reading the comments. Don't yeah, read the comments. No. Don't read reviews of this because fuck, people are so dumb. They just miss the whole goddamn point and they <sighs> fixate on the littlest things. They're like, so probably he should have died. And I was just like, I was so angry. But we'll talk about that maybe a little bit in this. Sounds but good. But beyond that, it's a nice sunny day. I'm wearing a tank top for the first time since I was probably six years old. Yeah, I bought you a special tank top. I always refuse to wear tank tops because I, I traveled a lot, uh, especially if you're in Southeast Asia. There's a lot of like tank top bros who travel very differently than I did, and I didn't want to be like them. And I also, um, I'm just so bashful. I don't want to like, you know, show off too much skin. But nowadays quarantine days i don't go anywhere most of the time nobody sees you i only go running and bike riding so you know what i'm gonna start wearing tank tops and i found a really soft one for eight dollars at old navy are we gonna buzz market old navy they better send us some money now at a store (laughs) and uh i think you look really good in it thank you did you get your tickets there too no tickets for the gun show. Oh, I'm I was flexing now. Waiting for you to do that. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I I also got some things at that store, so I have a whole new summer wardrobe. And I biked today, and it was so beautiful. It's like the perfect summer day today. So I am in a good mood. And now I'm drinking a vodka soda as well. So I'm very happy. So you're double good. I'm double good. So in other good news, we have been podcasting for a year now. Wow. Happy first podcast diversity yep that flows well (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and in honor of our first anniversary indy tell us what we're doing we're gonna do a special anniversary show where we are going to give out awards uh these awards have no monetary value and they don't exist anywhere but in our words so we're going to talk about maybe our favorite movie that we've reviewed, the biggest surprises, which characters we like the most, best performance, all sorts of fun things yeah. like this. So if you out there, gentle viewers, listeners, lovely listeners, <laughs> if you have a suggestion for a category that you'd like to us to nominate and award movies, let us know. Or if you want to just tell us what your favorite episode of the show is and why. Yeah. Let us know that too. We'll um, we'll read it on the podcast. Or... Yeah. We love that listener input. Yeah. So we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything. You know how to find us. If you just search, I love this, you should too. Or I-L-T-Y-S and the number two. There you go. It's one of those on everything. Um, I look forward to see what everyone's favorite episodes are because i feel like we know what we liked and what episodes are really fun to like record and to listen back to but i'm really interested to hear what everyone else's thoughts are me too so get those thoughts in yeah we don't really communicate with our listeners we know they're out there we know that there's someone in taiwan who's been listening a lot they listen every week yeah so hi to you we have quite a few international listeners portugal's been picking up lately yeah 
Um, and then we we also have like our friends and family who listen. So South Korea needs to pick it up for South a country Korea. where I know like a hundred people. You guys aren't listening. You lived at all. there for like four years. I know, you should. They don't like podcasts. Aren't really a thing there. Oh, I didn't yeah, think no about one, that. Yeah, because like here they're super popular. Like everybody's listening to podcasts right now, so it like makes sense that we'd have like a bigger North American following. But mm-hmm. and we're like an English podcast. That helps. That helps. Um, but I, I'm surprised you have so many friends there that... Yeah, I guess they're not listening, those no, chumps. those jerks. <laughs> jerks. But should we get away from calling my dear friends jerks and on to <laughs> the reason why we're here? You're not jerks. Yeah, some of them are. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about this week's movie. Let's bring it down a couple hundred notches. So... Originally, we were going to do Ghostbusters this week, but given everything we were talking about on the last episode, I spontaneously changed it to a movie that I had seen a couple of years ago called Fruitvale Station. This came out in 2013, directed by Ryan Coogler, starring Michael B. Jordan. And I think I saw it the first time right around when Black Panther came out, because Coogler was, was getting famous. And I hadn't watched his earlier stuff because I really just didn't know about it. But so this is my second viewing and I brought this movie to you. So Samantha, first thing off, name of the podcast. Did you love this movie? Um, no. Oh, no. That's the I... wrong answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to back it up. Um, I didn't love this movie, um, but I acknowledge that um I really liked it, and I liked the message and the content. I was extremely uncomfortable throughout the entire thing, and I think that's exactly how someone who hasn't experienced this kind of thing should feel. Um, and I, it prompted me to go do a whole bunch of reading and like kind of research on this kind of thing, and it's very poignant for what's going on right now. So I appreciate that you made me watch this movie. Well, I guess that had the ideal effect on you yes there is probably nothing that would make kugler happier than (laughs) this movie made you go and do research yeah that's probably exactly what he was going for on my second viewing i feel very different about this movie than my first time so the first time i watched it and like you i was like this is an important movie this was uncomfortable i'm glad this exists Mm -hmm. the end upon watching it a second time knowing where it was going It's so much better of a film Mm -hmm. than I realized. It's very well done. I think I was blinded to the artistry of the film because of the subject matter. I was just thinking of it as a message movie and not what it was, which is a stunning debut movie. Like to Mm -hmm. think that this is someone's first feature film. That's crazy. And it makes sense that then he went on to direct Creed and... Black Panther, because he's just capable of really amazing things. And I, what I love about that is he's had such a like really meteoric rise to go from Fruitville Station, a little independent film yeah. shot on 16 millimeter film, which for those of you who don't know, um, traditional films are shot on 35 millimeter. 16 millimeter is usually reserved for art films, low budget stuff because it is much less expensive, but it's of lower quality right. as well. It gives you a, a distinct look, which I think everyone would agree is lower quality some people think it's cool though yeah 
Uh, but to go from something like that and then go into Creed yeah. and then go into something like Black Panther, which is one of the top five highest grossing films of all time. Yeah. And he That's did incredible. that. And he brought everyone with him. He brought yeah. Michael B. Jordan with him. He bought, brought the composer, who I think a lot of these people he met just at USC, because this is his first movie right out of school. Oh. And the cinematographer whose name I'm forgetting right now, but oh. I'll look up while I'm Rachel talking. Rachel Morrison. Rachel Morrison is one of the few cinematographers of this generation of young filmmakers that I'm really excited to see what yeah. she does next. And also not a lot of female cinematographers that you hear about. Really? But the things that she's done have been great. She's worked on all of his stuff. She also did uh, Mudbound. A bunch of other things, I'm sure, that you'll tell me because you're looking at something right now. Uh, she was the first woman ever nominated in the Best Cinematography category. There you go. And that was in 2017, which is, like, crazy that she's the first woman. Yeah. Yeah, so he has this crew together, and he's bringing them all along on this journey, and they're all just so talented. And how this film came together was so difficult and i think it's indicative of how black stories get out there mm -hmm. because he knew he wanted to make this movie while he was still a student at usc and it took other black people to step in and kind of create this community to make this film mm -hmm. it's not like other movies where you just go to a company and then they buy it uh forrest whitaker had to come in and bring on his production company and he was instrumental in it then some other funding fell through so octavia spencer who's in it she forewent her salary and said, just put all my salary into making this movie and getting it done. Wow. And then they took it to Sundance. And then after all of that, the Weinstein Company, I know, the Weinstein Company, they came through and then bought it. And then they were able to distribute it. And then everyone can be like, oh, look at this. They're doing great work at the Weinstein Company. While, like, of course, all the work was already done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took a community of black people to make it because wow. that's how these stories get out there because it's not seen as commercially viable that's uh that's a very bad way for the film community to look at a film like this because this was such an incredible project like this would be such a like game changer for your basic white um like film production company like this is something that like everyone would learn while making it this is something that like you're giving a bigger voice to like a marginalized community and i think that they like i don't know maybe maybe i just don't know enough about like film production but i'm like i think this would be like something that anybody should jump at because I it's fully agree. so important so what you're saying is is that we don't just need movies that are feel good make you comfortable but we need things that make you learn and challenge your beliefs and make you feel uncomfortable and those are the type of movies you want me to bring to you more often <laughs> You got it. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but I wanted light fluffy next. <laughs> next. Next. So let's talk about the movie. Um, you said you liked it, not quite loved it, but you found it important. Yes. One of the things that you said that I actually disagree with is when you said this movie makes you feel uncomfortable through mm -hmm. most of it. Can you tell me a bit about that? Maybe uncomfortable is the wrong word. I felt shocked might be a better word mm -hmm. i mean i know with everything that's happening in the news right now i know a lot about police brutality and shootings and things that have happened even just in the last couple of days and i really i'm really trying to like read up on it and stay up to date on it and try and like learn about um 
this whole community that's coming together um, in that movement. And I, I just, I've seen the videos. Like, I feel like we've all seen the like Instagram videos and Facebook videos of people being either gunned down in the streets or beaten by police officers. But for some reason, seeing this story from start to finish, it just made me so, it felt so real all of a sudden, even though this is like literally acting. (laughs) And I think that's the brilliance of this movie is that this movie does so much to humanize Mm -hmm. this character and we think of him as a character as with so many of these people that are are murdered by police it's polarizing right Mm -hmm. you either see them depicted as a saint or you see them vilified yes there's very little middle ground and this movie just oscillates between those two and it lives in that middle ground and i think that's the the brilliance of what kugler was able to do in Mm -hmm. making this film not about a martyr but being about one man this could really easily have just turned into an angry rant of a movie and of course they have every right to be angry about this this could have been something that turned this man into a martyr and just bemoan the loss of life which Mm -hmm. is very fair as well it could have been a procedural that goes through how the police handled this and how this justice system is designed to fail certain people yes black people in this case but it doesn't do any of these it does something so much more original and heartfelt it turns into this quiet thoughtful piece about somebody that we kind of forget the essence of yeah when someone dies like this they're politicized Mm -hmm. they're they take on something so much bigger than their own life and what kugler does so brilliantly and michael b jordan Mm -hmm. in his performance is brings it all down to just one person and one day yeah and it's it's brilliant and i didn't realize that the first time through because i just thought this is a movie depicting something terrible that we all need to know about mm-hmm. i didn't realize that this is a brilliant portrayal of humanity and that's yeah. what this movie comes down to um one thing that i found really powerful was watching the actual footage um from this event and i think that by including that in the beginning and knowing what was coming i think that made me even more on edge throughout the movie and like i feel like i felt the um the emotion of the fact that this was just a guy who had a family who had a daughter who like goofed around with his mom and like you know bought her some lobster crabs for her birthday like that really made everything hit home so much harder than saving the the like violence and what actually happened till the end um and i think that seeing it twice really like that was really powerful yeah, that's very astute. I don't think you can say astute without sounding sarcastic. A little bit. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think uh, having the actual footage up front, it's it's so risky, but I think it pays off really well. Because just like you were saying, it gives the film a sense of inevitability that even though this movie is about a bunch of seemingly inconsequential things. Mm-hmm. It's about a man going to the store, getting gas, meeting a friends. That's where most of this movie takes place. But when we have that video up front, it doesn't let you get too comfortable in mm-hmm. those scenes. And exactly. some of those scenes are so beautiful. They're, he had a great way of capturing intimacy of people that yeah. you don't often see on, on screen. Mm-hmm. Some of it, like, 
of course, it's beautiful cinematically, but it almost seems like a home video in the sense that it's these intimate moments that you feel almost voyeuristic that you're you're intruding on. Like there's those times where it's Oscar and his girlfriend, Safina, I think her name was. Safina, yeah. Uh, in the kitchen and he just kind of like slaps her butt and then she's like pretend angry at him. Those little things like yeah. that. You don't get to see in movies and that was some of the really effective stuff in in bringing this larger than life figure that we only know about through his death mm-hmm. and making it so so human and relatable because so much of what he or his family does you're just like that's me i do that i do that my friend does that my girlfriend does yeah. that it's just it was so relatable and i think that's what you need because i think when we talk about characters people who were murdered by the police mm-hmm. we think of them as characters and we often forget of that this is just a person. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie does best. It does. It, it did a beautiful job of that. And I um, I don't know if, like, it took me a little bit to kind of recover from the, like, I guess the, like, emotion and, like, almost the stress that I felt after watching it. it took me a little bit of, like, time just to kind of, like, sh- shake off that feeling a little bit. And I know that's kind of, like really nice that I'm able to, you know, retreat back into my everyday life and be able to, like, shake off that feeling because for some people that's, like, every day. But um, I definitely feel like everyone should see this movie. Yeah, we're kind of jumping to the end, but I totally agree with you because some of the other movies we've watched, even if it was something that I love and is very emotional, like The Shining, you're so scared. Yes. You turn that off, you can just talk about it and be like, oh, that was cool, what about this? When we turned this off, I just kind of left the room because yeah. I just needed some time. Like, I just needed to like, put my headphones on and just, like, I don't know. Did you cry in this one? No, I didn't. Did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't the first time. Huh, interesting. But I think this time I was uh, more caught up in the emotions and less in the, perhaps, politics right. of it. Maybe the first time I watched it, I was angrier. Mm-hmm. This time I was just sad. Back to what you were saying about showing the video at the beginning, though. It's kind of like how when we're talking about Titanic mm-hmm. or um, like Romeo and Juliet does the same thing where it tells you this is what's going to happen. This is the end. And they tell you yeah. the end right at the beginning. So you have that uncomfortability the whole time. But also it lets you focus on the opposite in, in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Like when you know this man's going to die, you just kind of pay attention to every little part of his life a little more. It seems that much more more precious because it's right. fleeting and we know that also that gives you that sense of inevitability and everything just keeps piling up and leading to to this to this fateful ending right mm-hmm. because when i watched it the first time i was just like it's just a bunch of scenes and i appreciate that because it shows how mundane this day was it's not a special day he wasn't a hero doing anything spectacular he wasn't a villain doing anything he was just someone going about his business And I appreciate it at that level, but now when I watched it much more carefully this time, you can see that things are intentionally building upon each other. Like, we see the BART, the train, in the background of shots. Yes. So you know it's there. You know it's coming. You know that's where he's going to die. And it seems to be in the back of a lot of um, foreshadowing scenes. Right. And then when we see him change his white shirt to the black shirt, and we know, like, the man who was on the ground in the movie, in the video at the beginning, he was wearing a black shirt. Mm-hmm. So you know it's just one step closer. 
you see his mom say that, oh, you should take the train instead of driving. Yeah. And then you're just one step closer. And then he takes his hoodie off to reveal the shirt that he's in. And, you know, you're just that much closer again. And then the worst one is when he's on the train at the end and you hear the next stop, Fruitvale Station. Yeah. And you just know. And it's, you're so powerless to, to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's also like a moment where you hear Fruitvale Station, you almost think, oh, maybe this isn't the moment where it's going to happen. Because yeah. like, they're having a nice couple moment. She's sitting in the chair, like, because they're both falling asleep. And it, it very much seems in that moment, like they could just get off the train and everything will be fine. But yeah. Yeah. And we know it's both a movie and a historical event. And we know there's nothing we can do. But I just wanted to yell, like, get off the train. Just don't, just don't go there. And uh, yeah, it was, it's hard to know where it's going and be powerless. But there's a lot of uh, effective foreshadowing that Mm -hmm. Coogler put in. Like, there's the scene with his daughter when she's scared and she says, people are shooting guns out there. Yeah. And he says, like, no, they're just fireworks. You'll be fine. And she says to him, like, no, not me. I'm worried about you. Yeah. And then he gets shot, right? And it didn't seem heavy-handed at the time. Like, m- quite possibly, like, people would miss things like that. Or the scene with the dog. Mm-hmm. So there's one scene where he sees a dog running on the street, and he just goes and pets him. And then he goes to fill his gas, and the dog gets hit by a car, and the car drives off. And that was much more telling this time than than in the past. Because, like, it's a pit bull, mm-hmm. first of all. And pit bulls are typically associated with the African-American community. And they're often thought of as being, like, aggressive. Yeah, they're bully breeds. Yeah, but if you talk to anyone who has a pit bull, you'll, they'll tell you that they're the most gentle dogs and it's people who train them to be like yes. that. Having this dog who is thought of as a threat to people and then is killed for no reason and then there's no justice in the death, it just foreshadows what's going to happen later about this man who's seen as a threat when he posed a threat to no one he was literally lying on the ground face down and because of people having preconceived notions thinking that this is what an aggressive man looks like he was murdered and there was no real justice in it either let's talk about like the middle of the movie when there's lots of nice stuff Mm -hmm. because when i said i was surprised you felt uncomfortable through much of it I think that's what they were going for, but I think I kind of got lost in in these characters and these brilliant performances that I laughed a lot in this movie. Yeah. There were some funny bits. And there's so much of it where you forget what's going to happen. Like you get those reminders and that foreshadowing, but when you get lost in the scenes, you just start liking these characters and you kind of you let your guard down and you mm-hmm. have a nice time. And I I really grew to like so many people in this movie. I think that if that video hadn't been at the beginning, I would have probably been the same as you and gotten kind of like, I think I would have gotten more comfortable and probably found the moments in the middle of the movie like more sweet and less like really sad because I knew it was going to happen. Even though like all those moments that I did find sweet, like they're definitely bittersweet because you know that Mm -hmm. this is beautiful, but you know that this is the last time. Yeah. Like all of the parts with his daughter. I think one of my favorite things about this entire movie is the relationship with Oscar and his daughter. It's so cute. It's so cute. They're so cute. sweet. 
like there's little like typical young dad things like when he she's asking for an extra fruit snack from her mom and she says no so then oscar the dad's just like here just have one of these don't tell your mom like little things (laughs) like that that's so cute i loved when he picked her up from the daycare and she was so excited to see him and then they played a game on the way out like they had a race yeah right and they have this shot and it's in slow motion and you get the sun coming in the background and everything's kind of bathed in an orangey mm-hmm. sun glow. And he's being silly. He's running silly and he's winning the race. He doesn't let up. He no. doesn't say like, oh, you beat me. He's playing like she does. He's not even just playing like a dad. He's playing like a kid because mm-hmm. he kind of is a kid, yeah. right? And then he jumps up on the car when he wins. <laughs> and that was that was one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie because it was so sweet. Oh, absolutely. Or when she has to brush her teeth and then she says, well, then you have to too. So he brushes his teeth with his his finger. finger. Or he's talking about taking her to Chuck E. Cheese the next day. Yeah. And the the way that one is shot, they're both in profile. And she finally is going, okay, you can go and I'll go to bed. And it mimics the shot at the very, very end of the movie where in the shower, Safina is about to tell Tatiana that her father is dead. Mm-hmm. And of course the last words of the movie is just her in that in a very similar shot to earlier and she just asks where's daddy and that was very heartbreaking. It's very hard to watch. What are some other little scenes that you liked? Um I liked the scene in the grocery store with um what was her name Katie? Yes. Um where he's just, like, being a nice guy. He's just, like, oh, let me call my grandma. She can tell you everything she ne- you need to know about frying fish. And um, he really just seems like a, like a nice guy. He's just a human who's, you know, trying to be nice to other people. And uh, there's definitely a big change in him when he goes down the aisle to talk to the manager. It's very, very different. But then he's able to kind of snap out of it and go back to Katie and, you know, ask her, you know, did she get everything you needed? And did she give you all the advice? And so I I really liked that scene because it kind of shows both pieces and you can kind of tell how much pressure he's under and how quickly he kind of turns from, like, jovial and fun to, like, stressed out. Yeah, that scene was a great one i loved it and for a lot of different reasons i loved what you were talking about how he's not always this nice guy no he's always a nice guy with his daughter yeah but he can flip a switch and that anger that is in him can come out and let's not like soften it all he threatens the manager of the store he used to work at yes he said like if you don't give me a job i'm gonna be waiting for you and i'm gonna come after you and that's what it makes me so angry when I was reading all these reviews about it saying like, oh, they just show him as like this perfect guy, which I'm not going to start on that yet. We'll get there later. Okay. But is this movie does a great job of tempering all of the sweetness with this anger that we see in him. Mm-hmm. He's not a perfect guy by, by any stretch. Right at the beginning of the movie, we're talking about how he cheated on his girlfriend. Yes. Like, he's not a perfect guy. And then in this scene, he is just so full of anger. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. And I think that really exemplifies Jordan's, 
like a brilliant performance because mm-hmm. he can give you such compassion in his eyes and then switch it to this like kind of seething anger that's underneath yeah. really quick and it was uh, it was very fast yes there's another thing in that scene that i really liked that i think most people won't notice but i bet like most black guys or big brown guys with beards like myself will notice and that's when he's next to katie at the counter she's looking at her phone they're both looking ahead and he says something to her she looks at him and takes a big step back before continuing and if you look like me you're used to that happening a lot and i loved that little touch in this movie to show you that there's nothing wrong with katie katie's a nice person Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination she's nice and polite and everything but everyone who's nice and polite still has that in them Mm-hmm. That they recognize a certain type of person as being a threat. And that I think that's what she did in that scene. And I don't think that just happened. I'm 99% sure Kugler or someone told her to do that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like a subconscious reaction. It's yeah. not like in your brain you go, oh, this guy seems sketchy. Just get back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's totally something that you don't even realize you're doing. Mm-hmm. And at this point... He's just asking her, like, if he can help about the, yeah. uh, about the fish fry. And I love the scene when she calls the grandma. And I love that grandma, too. Yeah, that grandma's so awesome. <laughs> she doesn't even know what kind of fish she wants to fry. <laughs> grandma, she don't know what she wants. <laughs> yeah, that was so sweet. I loved that interaction in the grocery store. I think that was one of my favorite scenes. And that kind of leads us to one of my other favorite scenes, and that's when they're actually all cooking together. I loved this family. Oh, they were so cool. I just want to go there and hang out and yeah. like joke around, <laughs> eat some food. Yeah, it seemed just beautiful, mm-hmm. really. I loved how his girlfriend, who's of a different ethnicity, is just like part of the family. Because, like, we we have that. And it's always so nice when you see your significant other, like, welcomed into the family mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. Sometimes you just sit back and watch and you're like, this is beautiful. <laughs> it's like all the people yeah. I love getting on together. Yeah, exactly. And that was happening in the scene. And even though they had, like, that very much the uh, the women are in the kitchen, the men are watching TV, I didn't even care. I was like, <laughs> you know what? They all love what they're doing. They're all having a great exactly. time. And I, I was so down for that. That was... I just wanted that scene to keep going. I know. I didn't want them to go out. I was like, just stay here. Just stay here. Just hang out. Just go to bed. (laughs) The score at that moment was also very good. This composer, I don't know any of the work he's done that's not with Kugler, but he's he's very good whenever I hear stuff. Do you remember a scene in the movie? I think it's closer to the end. So they're already in San Francisco at this point. And Safina has to go to the bathroom along with one of their other friends. And they're in there and the shop owner, like Oscar Sweet Talks him a little bit. And, yeah. Or maybe not Sweet Talks. He threatens to pee on the doorstep, really. I guess. But anyways, the girls go in there and then another couple, they're an older older than Oscar at least, white couple, probably in their mid thirties or something mm-hmm. like that. And the woman is pregnant and then Oscar gets her into the bathroom as well. And then he's out there and he's talking to this man. And they start talking and just kind of small talk at first, but eventually gets to the point of of marriage. And the man asks Oscar if you're thinking about it. And he says, no, I can't. I'm broke. And he says, like, that's a pretty lousy reason. (laughs) And he is telling his story about how broke he was when they first got together. 
he was so broke he stole the engagement ring mm-hmm. but now he's successful he's has his own company and he was able to get get her a proper ring and for everything we can see they're starting a family and they're happy together yeah and this just seemed to me like this is what he could have been right yeah oscar also made mistakes early in life so did this guy but the difference is this guy was given that second chance yes he was able to right the wrongs of his past oscar doesn't get that chance we see him talking about starting that process Mm -hmm. but he's murdered at 22 yeah he's not given the chance like that white guy was Mm -hmm. and perhaps if he looked differently he would have that chance exactly it's totally a shadow of what yeah what oscar could have grown up to be if a lot of the what ifs happened so one of the things i really enjoyed in this movie was his kind of changing relationship with his mom so we see the when he's in prison and he's um his mom is coming to visit him and she just basically says like turn your life around or nobody's none of us are going to be in it and uh then also she you see like their today relationship where they're joking around and he's calling her and he you can tell he really respects her and uh and like loves her yeah, I love how it was set up that we get the present first, then the past, and then the present again. Mm-hmm. So you get to see a relationship that seems great, and then you get to see how hard it was, and then you realize how much work they would have had to have done to recover from where they were, and how much work that he's probably had to do just to be a better person. Yeah. But the sequence when he's in prison is one of the most heartbreaking outside of the actual killing. Yeah. So at this point some other guy some other prisoner comes by and says something to him and he has to flip like he did with the grocery store guy Mm -hmm. but now he's flipping in prison mode so he goes right at that guy and his mother is able to see this side of him that she's probably never witnessed in her life yeah and we get to see this loving son turn into the guy who got arrested and is in prison Mm -hmm. right And we get to see like a great uh, dichotomy of this character. You get to see all of him very quickly. But what the hardest part was when she says like, I'm not going to come visit you here anymore. And she starts walking out and he starts just begging, begging for a hug. Just like, come on, mom, you have to give me a hug. You can't leave without hugging me. And he's going, mom, mom, you have to give me a hug. Meanwhile, all these guards are holding him down and he's crying out for his mother. Yeah. The type of person who needs a hug from his mom should not be the type of person who's in prison. That other guy who was starting the fight, that guy's not calling out for his mom. He doesn't no. care about his mom. He, he doesn't give a fuck. No. He's Oscar cares. very much different. And it was so sad to see him calling for that and her not giving it to him. And also Octavia Spencer, her portrayal of someone who is doing this and it's so hard for her, but she feels like this is what she needs for her family. And then this kind of gets mirrored at the end because here we have the mother refusing to hug her son. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when Oscar is killed, he's dead. He's just laying there. And she's told that she's not allowed to touch him, to see the, to touch him, to go in the same room as the body. And she's just begging, like, just let me go hug him once. Mm-hmm. And that was 
the first time I started crying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a very powerful moment. And I think um, she's definitely regretting not giving him that hug when he asked for it. I don't know about that. I think she was definitely blaming herself that she told him to go on the train. Mm-hmm. But I think she's had probably a couple of years now to repair the damage of the of whatever happened in prison uh-huh. and it seems like they have a great relationship at this point mm-hmm. and yeah that makes it all maybe that much harder absolutely like maybe if they never reconciled it would be easier as a viewer to be like okay well that's no big deal because if this is just some guy who doesn't have a family he doesn't love other people other people don't love him maybe it's easier for you to be like not as big of a loss but I don't know, it just seems like this was someone trying to turn things around. And even if he wasn't, like, it's just so, it's it's just so senseless. And I have nothing to add to it, but, like... It's super senseless. It's so unnecessary. Maybe before we wrap up and get into the heavy stuff of the end, is there any, like, fun little things that you liked from it? There's one that I remember of the the Bart dance party. So they're going to miss yeah. midnight. So they start playing music and they just find some guy with a watch. They all look at it and celebrate a bunch of strangers. Yeah, that was a nice little human moment because I feel like that could happen on any train anywhere in the world mm-hmm. where you're stuck on the train at midnight and you guess you just have to celebrate with the people that you're with. There's this one other scene. I think it's just like five seconds or something. And it really encapsulates how they portray Oscar in this movie. And it's he's going back home because he has a stash of weed and he's going to sell it. So he goes into the room, but then he looks around and he makes his daughter's bed, picks up some clothes, and then goes and gets the weed. Because that's the man they're showing. That, yeah, he's doing some bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's trying to do better. It's not one way or the other and i feel like that's how we get things in uh in news reports or whatever it is we're hearing about these people we're not getting the human story and that little bit of him going to get weed stopping and making his daughter's bed on the way just just broke my heart and also just seemed so appropriate those moments really made him seem like like a human, like a fully formed person. Whereas in some of these movies, I feel like you don't get those little moments of humanity. You get a lot of violence and a lot of like anger or you get like the softer side and nothing like there's no full range of emotion. And he there's really, no middle ground. Yeah. People. And this is all, all in those ground. gray areas. Yeah. If we could go back and talk a little bit about how we talked about the movie Bombshell a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I said I liked it. I liked the message more than perhaps I liked the movie itself. I thought it was a good movie. I came out positive on it overall. But I think there's some similarities that both of these movies, we agree with maybe the um, thought behind making it, correct? Yes. We're both in agreement on that. But what I think makes this a great movie as well as a great message, Bombshell is a great message and a good movie. And I was talking about how they didn't bring in any of the nuance into those characters, the negative side about them. And we thought like, well, how could you and still have the same message? Yeah. This is how. Exactly. This movie does that. For sure. This movie gives you all sides, doesn't take nearly as much of a stand as I think Bombshell does. Bombshell Mm -hmm. definitely says these are heroes. Yes. And that's, that's fine. I'm not like going to downplay that. This movie does not do that, but... 
allows you to connect to the character so much more mm -hmm. than Bombshell did, I feel. And that's why I think this is a great movie, while the other one was a good movie with a great message. Yeah, I agree with you. Are you saying this is better than Bombshell? I think it's a very different movie from Bombshell. But a better movie. A better movie, but I still really loved Bombshell. That's fair. They're just different movies. They're different. Like, yeah. they both deal with very hard topics in very different ways. Very true. Yeah. I feel like I have a hard time comparing them because they do such drastically different things. There isn't a lot of overlap. Yeah, I think I'm just comparing them because it's the last two movies we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I like it when you admit that my choice was better than one of your choices. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this was a, of course, very different film. But this was so artfully constructed that I, I can appreciate it on another level than a lot of movies where you only agree with the ideas of it. And are competently made. I think this was, was brilliantly made. Oh, I didn't realize that the... I'm just on the Wikipedia, as usual. Um, I didn't realize that the officer who shot um, Oscar was played by Chad Michael Murray. Yes. He looked so different. He didn't look like Chad Michael Murray. Or maybe I'm remembering what I thought he looked like when I was, like, 13. What's he from? Uh, he was One Tree Hill. He was He was Gilmore Rory's Girl. girlfriend, boyfriend early on. Or not yeah. boyfriend, but there was a they, thing. Yeah, they, they he was at Chilton yeah. when she first got there. I only remember most of those types of actors if they were in Gilmore Girls. Dawson's Creek. He's basically always the love interest. Yes. Or the dreamy guy. Freaky Friday, House of Wax. I wonder how he got involved. He must have just liked the project because he came in for maybe 20 seconds uh -huh. of screen time. Yeah. One line, I think. He must have just known somebody, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he was also Edgar Evernavi on Riverdale, head of the cult. Okay. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's still working, which is good. Oh. I know him from being a douchey guy on Gilmore Girls and then shooting a defenseless man in the back in Fruitvale Station. Well, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so the ending is just as hard to get through as you'd think. Although I might argue if you're somehow listening to this and haven't watched the movie, the movie itself is not as hard to get through as you would think. Yeah. Because the vast majority of it is a guy having like a kind of nice day. That's what a lot of this movie is. But when it gets to the end, it's, it's hard. Um, and it's fast. Did you find it fast? I found the whole, like, shooting scene and being pulled off the train and everything, I found that very fast. I found, like, it just wouldn't end. Oh, well, but, that's also... Yeah. Like, it also right? did not end, like, when you kind of wanted it to, but it also felt so fast. Like, it felt like the camera was going all sorts of different places, right? and you really feel the panic of that crazy situation mm -hmm. where everyone's yelling, and everyone on the train is yelling, and every like, the three, four guys on the floor are all yelling, and they're trying to get, like, they're trying to be heard. And uh, the police officers just aren't listening. Right. And it felt very fast in that because there's so many. So hectic. So hectic. So many different perspectives happening all at once because one minute you're on the train and you're looking out and the next minute you're right down with them. And it felt very fast that way, but also it did seem like it never ended. Especially relative to the rest of the movie, which was quite slow and contemplative and let things develop. There's usually not more than one person on screen at, time, at mm -hmm. a time. But yeah, this was, it was chaotic for sure. I think they did a great job of, uh, of capturing that. 
One of the things that I was able to notice a lot more this time, watching it maybe more critically, was the editing, both in that section and then at the hospital when Oscar dies. I feel like I'm not going to describe it because it's just going to be me going like, and then this shot, and then this shot, but watch it and realize that like this was a masterclass in editing, which mm-hmm. I did not expect from this like first time artsy little movie. Yeah, but the you get to editing hear... was really well done. Yeah, you get to hear Octavia Spencer speaking, going over the next shot, and just how they put that together just took this idea of humanizing one person and having you relate to them that much further. Mm-hmm. All of those edits at the end just made you want to bond with each one of these characters and to you kind of feel like you're there with them and you just want to like put an arm around somebody, but... We don't get that opportunity, and nobody gets to do that for Oscar. Yeah. And it's so different from the beginning, because we see the killing at the beginning. But then it's this, you don't know who it is, it's just shapes, and you have a sense of detachment, and you don't have that luxury later on. You can't be detached from Oscar anymore. No. He's like a friend to you. Yeah. That's a good way to Even put it. Even if you don't love everything he's done, maybe you think he's a dick a bunch of the time. Sure, yeah, that's true. But you've been through these things, and I feel like you know him. It's a movie that does something that is much more tricky than you would think. That if you asked me what a certain character would do in a certain situation, like if you said, oh, what would um, whatever character from Bombshell do at a grocery store and this happened? I'd be like, I don't know. I feel like I know what Oscar would do in each situation. He's been rounded out so much that he seems just like a real human. And that's the the brilliance of the movie. And then at the end, we don't have that luxury of detachment because we know this person. Mm -hmm. And we see this person that we've spent, yeah, only like 80 minutes with, but really a full day and seen his struggle of the last five years. We are comfortable with that. We know that. And then we see him killed in front of us for just no reason. Mm -hmm. And if this was a script that was not based on true events, I'd probably hate it. I'd be like, and then he just dies? Why? (laughs) Is it just showing how everything's futile and nothing matters? And it would seem like a nihilistic movie, but Mm -hmm. it's not the case. It's kind of the opposite in a movie. It's, It's so heartfelt, but... Because this is what actually happened. And again, I got nothing much to say. That happened. That happened. That's kind of how I feel about it, too, because I feel like because it is so real, it's very um, hard to talk about other ways this could have been done because it, it feels very true and true to the story. And there's not a lot of embellishment. And that's the point of the movie, I think. Should we talk a little bit about the reviews that make me angry about this? Yes. Every negative review says the exact same thing. That, well, they didn't talk about all the bad stuff he did. Did you know he went to jail for firearm possession? So fucking what? Yeah. I was so angry reading all of these reviews from like big magazines, from New York Posts and Forbes and all sorts of things. And they're saying like, well, actually, he was related to some gang. They didn't mention that. And I was like, yeah, they did. He had a tattoo on his back. And then they were talking about like, hey, you're Oscar from whatever, whatever gang. And that, yeah, that was a thing. Also, so what? Yeah. Like if he had a firearms possession charge, went to jail, then he's allowed to be murdered indiscriminately. 
No other character is treated that way, and no other figures in the news are treated that way. I feel like the closest thing is in sexual assault cases with women, there's a lot of like, well, what was she doing? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if what she was wearing, how she was acting, what she was drinking. It doesn't matter what Oscar's past was. If even if he was just a scumbag, which there's no evidence to suggest he was, even if he was, this was still unjustified. And I hate having to make that argument every time something like this happens. It's like, okay, even if he was all those bad things, because people come at you with, well, he did this, he did this, he did this. I shouldn't have to go, even if he was, he wasn't, but even if he was, we shouldn't have to do that anymore. It should be like, so what? Exactly. Yeah. So, and? so why, why does that make his death fine? Did the man shooting him know all this? No. And even if he said like, oh, hey, actually, this is the guy that beat up my sister. I'm going to, that's still not justified. No. And then I just hate that I keep doing this. Like, even if this was the case, but none of that was the case. It was a guy who kind of got into a fight. The end. The end, yeah. Which he didn't instigate. So we can talk a little bit about the, the real life stuff. Yeah. And I'll try to keep it just this case because this happens so often. If you watch this movie and you're like, oh my God, that happened? You go do the research about how mm-hmm. often this happened. I remember when I was, what, like 16 or something when Amadou Diallo was murdered. If you're not familiar, he was a, a guy on his own front step. He had his wallet in his hand and he was shot 23 times, I believe. Right. Which meant that the police officers had to reload yeah. to shoot him more. Um, of course, yeah, those nothing happened to them. But uh, I remember as a 16-year-old wanting to go out and like, like, who do I protest about this? Why is this okay? And I like made myself a makeshift shirt. That's it. Amadou Tiala was murdered or something like that. I like... I brought it up in, um, we did a model UN. Oh. And I was Sierra Leone. And if you know what was going on with Sierra Leone at the time, it was brutal. There was a vicious uh, civil war. And our debate was about should international aid be linked to your human rights abuses or lack thereof? Right. And the American team was saying, like, hey, you guys are murdering each other in the street. You shouldn't be getting aid from us. And I read off a list of 24 people who had been murdered by police in the last little while. Wow. And I just like yelled at these Americans. And it was just like some other 16 year old was like, dude, we're just playing a game here, man. Did you win? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got an A Did on that. Destroy them. <laughs> um, I had a point here. Oh, yeah. It was this is not rare. So go out, research it yourself. We're yeah. not going to read off lists of names for you. We're just going to talk about this case. Despite there being so much video evidence, people still argue about like, well, you could see that he was, um, he, Oscar, was reaching for a gun. How? Both of his arms were pinned back. We could see it. Yeah. We can see all of these things. And this just shows you how much people will believe whatever they want to believe, regardless of evidence. Because people are watching this video from multiple angles. They're out there if you want to look for it. I don't personally care to look at that it uh it upsets me too much but there's so much evidence and yet people still argue that like oh yeah he probably deserved it i don't and if that's your argument i don't know how to um even talk to you as a human being if that's 
what you believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the officer who shot him was first charged with first degree murder. Yes. That makes sense. He shot a man in the back while he was down. After he was charged, he changed his story and said, actually, I was reaching for my taser. I got them confused. Yes. He didn't say this originally. Nope. He said it at this point. And then they said, okay, we're going to give you involuntary manslaughter. Yes. Involuntary manslaughter is what I would be charged with if I was uh, speeding on an icy road and my car hit another car and that person died. Yeah. That's the same charge. It's an accident. Yeah. It just happened. I Oops. I should have been more careful, but it happened. He served a total of 11 months in jail for shooting a man in the back who already had another officer holding him down. The first officer who pulled him off was shouting the N-word, punched him, kneed him, slammed him down. No charges. Yeah. I think he may have been fired like a year or two later, but still no charges. It turns out that uh, Oscar ended up serving more time for having a gun than the man who killed him while he was laying on the ground. That's insane. And if that doesn't tell you what's wrong with the system, I have no better way to explain it to you. (sighs) Everyone go see this movie, please. Yeah. Just, Just do it. Also, this movie, like if you think about it, what's actually on screen, this isn't a political movie. Because a bombshell is a political movie. It has an agenda, and it's great for that. Yes. This isn't. No. This merely shows what happened in a day. Yeah. And I hate that everything like this has to be political. Like, it should be political. I get that. What I'm saying is, why is a black person's life political? Mm-hmm. Why are we at the point where the movement now is Black Lives Matter? Just think about that for a minute. And don't get me wrong, I'm fully in support. But we're at the point where all we want to argue is that life matters. That's it. It's not even black lives are important. Black lives are equal. Black lives are great. Yeah. We can't even get there yet. We're at the point of my existence matters. Yeah. That's all people are arguing. If you have pushback against that, just go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like, if you're pushing back, like, no, you don't matter, how... That's basically what you're saying. I don't know how you can... Like, that's the point we're at. Mm-hmm. We're so far from from equality or equity. We're just at the point of acknowledge other people matter. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Fuck, that was rough. <laughs> God damn it. Now I'm angry again. I'm sorry. Well, we mark all of our episodes as, as explicit. So this time I actually swore and we get to use it a little. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Took advantage of that. Exactly. Our whole podcast is explicit. Yeah. I swear like one out of every few episodes, maybe. I occasionally swear too. Do you? Yeah. Give me one right now. F. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, uh, that was hilarious and adorable. But you know what it reminded me of? Um, when Oscar is with his daughter, Tatiana, he says, Hekka. He doesn't even say Hella anymore because he's looking out for her so much. That's so sweet. Uh, um, she's doing some great work right now. Uh, go research uh, Tatiana Grant, I believe is her yeah. name. She does some good work. Well, do you have any final thoughts on this movie? I feel like we need to wrap it up or else I'm just going to get angry about the real life stuff and stop looking at this as just uh, the great movie it is. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I can bring it up to love, but I really enjoyed this movie and I think everybody should see it. And uh, I 
look forward to hearing from people on what they thought of it because it's definitely important and I definitely want to hear what my friends are saying about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Watch this movie. It's Mm -hmm. an important one. It's also just a very good, well-constructed movie and it's the beginning of two, three, four great careers at least with the cinematographer, the director, the star, and the composer. And it's great to see groups of people like that starting off young together and then being successful. Like people who have very unique and important voices becoming successful. I think Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler is my new favorite young duo. Maybe Greta Gerwig and Shersha Ronan would be the other. Oh, yeah. Because they're they're they're, they're getting good, there. They've yeah. only had the two movies together, yes. though. So I think they're well on their way. But I love that we've actually started talking about some like really exciting young filmmakers, mm-hmm. young relative to filmmakers, because yeah. I always just want to show you movies from the 70s. But it's a great reminder to me that there's some some great uh, filmmakers working right now. But yeah, definitely go check this movie out. It's it's great. I, I love it. I think it's important that this movie shows a character whose death meant so much to so many people and that we kind of forget the person that was there, the the person who lived the life, that he is not just his death, he's not just a victim, he's not just a part of this system that keeps doing the same thing. He was uh, a man. He was not a hero or a villain or a martyr. He was a human that was trying to do what he could. He was a member of a family and he had potential. He had potential that he, uh, that he'll never get to live up to. We don't know if he was going to be successful. Like maybe he was going to start selling drugs again. Maybe he was going to win a Nobel prize. We have no way of knowing, but the important thing is that we don't know. We can't know if people's potential is cut down like this. And it's something that happens too often and it's something that doesn't seem like it's going to change so check this out do what you can um i don't know man fuck the system kill your masters (laughs) and if you are interested in watching some black story movies um the category in the cineplex store is understanding black stories um and they are all free right now yes they are all free right now (laughs) And uh, there are six available. So there's The Hate You Give, Monsters and Men, Fruitvale Station, Blind Spotting, Selma, and Ali. So let's get watching those shows, Cineplex, that people actually care about watching these movies and learning from um, stories that they might not be familiar with. Yeah. I think there may actually be more unless they've taken them off. But that's either way, there's some really great films in there. Go check them out. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. For something lighter. Well, you're picking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty light. Light in comparison to this. All right. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. definitely check out i said definitely you did who's jeff (laughs) definitely (laughs) my name was jeff i'd go my rapper name would be (laughs) definitely that's what you should say jeff is short for (laughs) jeffrey no definitely definitely. (laughs) (laughs) most jeff most jeff